Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. WMR.FM. It's the 29th of June, 2023. Um, it's the beginning of summer, and as always goes, summer's almost over. So if you got the chance, get out and enjoy it. This is uh, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, and we're joined today by uh, one of the industry's, um, you know how like you have an industry's experts expert? Alan is the expert's expert on analytics, Google Analytics, uh, Search Console, and the, the, the widening array of uh, ways to measure traffic and user intent across your website. And um, if you didn't know, um, tomorrow is um, Analytic Get It Day, the day that Google Analytics, or I should say Universal Analytics, uh, UA3, shuts down. Um, stops recording new data, some new data may still be available to you, and uh, shifts over to GA4, Google Analytics 4, a new and, um, well, you know what, maybe improved, depending how you use it, way of dealing with user information. But we're going to get to that when we talk to Alan in a few minutes. Um, Christine, it's been a uh, busy week, and the odds are the fight's still on. <laughs> it supposedly is although uh i would tell people what fight we're talking about <laughs> well the only fight that the only fight that matters of course the cage match between mark zuckerberg and um elon musk um yeah. i think it was two weeks ago maybe elon musk for whatever reason challenged mark zuckerberg to a cage okay. match and uh yeah. zuckerberg accepted uh musk's mom tried to argue him out of it but yeah, that, that was a funny work. Twitter thread. She says that put a stop to it basically on Twitter. And he's like, mom, I'm fighting. Like, case is five. <laughs> so these two are going to be meeting um, behind the football field somewhere in Las Vegas um, after school. And they're going to duke it out in a cage match, hopefully on pay-per-view. And yeah, this is actually, this is for, this is, and the this stupid is thing real. is, this is 2023. So this is for real. This is for real. Yeah. And the funny thing is uh, Musk, um, did some impromptu martial arts training this week with a, a, maybe the same trainer that, that uh, Zuckerberg has. But um, Zuckerberg uh, has done, been training, what, 18 months, I think, when we covered it last week. And he already competes in MMA fights and has been winning. So I'm sure one or two sessions with a jiu-jitsu guy will, will make you comparable. This is going to be just like that time when he started like crap bragging about how he was going to buy a social network for an stupid absurd amount of money <laughs> um, and then ended up having to buy that social network. Um, but he also tried to get out of it. Let's not forget that one. Well, so. indeed. But but you know what? That was his mom. His mom comes in, tries to get him out of it. History's repeating itself. And, <laughs> and this time he advocates for himself. and person with his own lawyer is has a fool for a client I hear um he advocates for his own self and says no mom it's on 
So I think it's it's funny um, that the the way the training came about is uh, the trainer uh, tweeted Musk, so uh, he put out a post after that he did an impromptu training session with Elon Musk for a few hours. He was extremely impressed with his strength, power, and skill on the feet and on the ground. It was epic. <laughs> yeah, and that's why you like, see oh, that trainer. On, <laughs> that's why you see that trainer running down and putting his money down on. Uh, on Zuckerberg. On, uh, Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah, he even tweeted pictures of himself like doing a hold. It's like, come on. I took, I took, uh, I took in a couple of martial arts, and granted, they're all different, and the, the learning curve is all different. But um, uh, eight, uh, a couple of sessions is not going to compare to the eighteen months and actual fighting matches that Zuckerberg has done. Anyway, this is twenty twenty three, and in this bizarre timeline, this is real. So. Yeah. Okay, here's another thing that's uh, kind of bizarre and kind of real and kind of, I don't, I don't like this at all. Microsoft wants to um, bring Windows 11, the operating system itself, into the cloud. What do you think yeah, about I them, think, Apples? Uh, I think it's a bad idea, but, yeah. you know, back in, back in the day when I first started putting everything in the cloud, I was like, wrote an article, like, hey, folks, this is how they're going to wind up charging you lots and lots of money to use their products, and you'll never be able to get away from it. And it kind of feels like another step in that direction. I don't know that it is, but it feels like it is. But I would not well, put my whole operating system in the cloud. I, I would want my computer to be able to operate on the software that's literally on the computer, not. The that's what actually was. Yeah. The irony is about 20 plus years ago, I was at a conference and I wrote an article about this, where this was the future for software. It was all going to be cloud-based. And that all stemmed from more than 25 years ago, probably close to three years when, if you remember, uh, good old Bill Gates came out and said, private networks are the thing. Then he realized the internet was the thing and had to switch the whole company around. And even then he was hinting at moving everything online once network speed was up to it. So self-fulfilling prophecy. In some ways, it's really efficient having like the software online. I, I, I think of a whole bunch of um, software as a service uh, 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 applications I use now that are totally in the cloud, but the operating system itself, that, um, that's, yeah. like, that's like the, the brains, the guts, the, the heart of your computer is well, suddenly in the cloud. Think about this way. I, I'm a person who doesn't make a lot of money and maybe I'm a little unemployed and I need my computer. I can't pay for 360, it's in the cloud. 365. I can't pay for it. It's in the cloud. I can't operate literally my computer. Like that's, that's how silly that is. So I, I, I and it's not the first one it's done. I mean, Google Chromebooks is a cloud-based computing system. Exactly. But, yeah. But it, I, I wrote articles then about people not going to that and it didn't seem to take off. So Microsoft, I guess, might think this is going to take off because of streaming and stuff. Maybe younger generations, I think, won't care about having an operating system in the cloud. But I'd warn anybody about doing that just because we all go through ups and downs financially and not being able to access your computer because you can't pay for the operating system that's in the cloud would probably be very detrimental for a country well, where you know, most people don't have money to pay for an emergency bill. Right. Well, I just think of the vast majority out there, not the people who actually have their PC, uh, but who live just on their cell phones. Yes, a cell phone has an operating system on it. So and you're at but you're accessing all these apps and everything else which is all cloud-based yeah but that's and different than your livelihood it's on a computer. Yeah, it but it is an interesting proposition but i i i agree with you i think it's a bad decision to put the os up there i'm also thinking about we 
you, Christy, Jim, myself, we live in major urban centers where rarely does our internet go down for extended period of yeah. times. Yeah. But, but what, ha you know, yeah, my laptop has a battery. I have a UPS, so if the power goes up, fine. But what happens if you have some work that has to be done and, and the internet goes down? I've seen businesses have to lock their doors because they can't take credit card payments because the internet is down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. It's just something that scares me. Yes. And I still like having, and what about, you know, I'm on the plane. I want to do some work on my laptop. I don't want to necessarily have internet on the plane. I don't want to pay for that high cost. So there's a lot of issues. I don't think they've worked their way through. Yeah. We'll no, see what happens. Like yeah. But anyway, this it's is, a, this is from an internal document. So this yeah. isn't, um, out yet. there yet, but this is something that they're definitely talking about at uh, in Microsoft. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Um, it may or may not be a uh, this may or may not be an actual story, but it's something that's certainly being talked about. Here's one that's kind of weird. Um, we've been talking a lot about. I mean, obviously, we've been talking for 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 the last what like eighteen months. 24 months about AI, AI, and more AI. And, uh, you know, we talked about good stuff about it and dangerous stuff about it, including AI's propensity for filling in the blanks with information it's, it thinks should be there, but ne isn't necessarily true. Um, Bing chat, or Bing is saying that um, it's uh, AI, it's uh, version of chat GBT is strong enough and powerful enough and accurate enough to start predicting stocks. Yeah, um, although it yeah. says it's not a stock price prediction system. So it's kind of funny. It's like, well, so it's, it's, like, so we're not it's, really it's the modern equivalent of a shoeshine boy uh, giving you yeah. giving you stock tips. Remember when they did the pricing on the airline and you could like the website where you could like see if it's likely to go up or down? Mm -hmm. I think I think it's probably a similar concept, but I would not. I mean, it's dangerous territory, right? People are gonna make financial decisions based on your predictor. Well, if your predictor is wrong, and you're like, well, it's not really a prediction system. I don't know if that holds up in court or not. If someone loses a whole bunch of money based on it, but we'll oh, see. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty sure the 270 page end user license agreement will cover it. <laughs> I think it's dangerous territory. I think I think that there are things that everyone's all like. There's parts of companies like AI, 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 and I'm sure there's somebody in there going, this is really not a good idea, and they're not being listened to, because this is really not a good idea, in my opinion. I, you know, um, I don't honestly know enough about how this would work um, in practice, but... Um, I do know that if everybody is getting the exact same advice um, and doing the exact same things, the walk to the system would be um, substantial. Can you imagine yeah. if it like got it wrong? I'm sorry, Alan. I don't even show sure, no, but I'm going to say the general it. premise is how all the AI is. It would be just harvesting all the pundits' opinions on what stocks are going to go up and go down today and then consolidate them and extrapolate them with some statistics and say, here's our prediction for today. And now uh, I know where you're going, Chris. And that is just like saying, this stock's going to go up today by 5%. 
And if everybody moves their money to it, it's going to go up more than 5%. So it could become a self-fulfilling prophecy for good and for bad. Yeah, yeah, it definitely could cause a whole lot of problems. I think it's dangerous territory for Wing to be going into, but we'll see. I mean, good lord, people get people get weird about vote tabulation machines and how that might weird weird out the system. <laughs> Imagine what the, what AI predicting stocks and giving an giving on mass advice every morning to people might do. Oh yeah, which, which <laughs> kind of leads real quick into our, our other story about Harvard. If we want to jump there for a moment. Well, this one actually really interests me. Um, uh, this is the weird one. Um, your introductory um, computer science teacher, if you go to Harvard next year um, and take uh, computer science 50, introduction to computer science, might be a uh, bot. You might be being taught by, an a, by a large language model, um, GPT-4, um, but uh, yeah. I'm not sure what the TAs would be like or what um, dinner at the professor's place would be like. Yeah, and I think there is an actual like professor who's monitoring the class. But I mean, if I'm paying $50,000 a year for a year of Harvard, I think it's something around there. I don't know how happy I'd be that my student, was, my kid was given a bot to like, you know, work with. Also, these bots are not always accurate, but when you're in college you're there so you can ask the professor questions you can work out your reasoning you can understand why you're doing something you don't get that with a chat but i don't care how sophisticated it is so I, I think it's a really bad move and especially by harvard like it just looks cheap on harvard's you know choice but it's one professor i believe i don't believe it's an institution but since they do hallucinate information how will the student know they won't they don't have a professor there that's actually guiding them on well, that again, particular um, information they're getting from the bot at that time. So I, I just well, you assume that professors are accurate. And I I had professors <laughs> who made mistakes when <laughs> I was true. in university. And you have to take uh, one course next year, you'd get a different professor who would contradict the first professor. So <laughs> let's not assume professors are perfect and and that knowledge provider. A lot of a lot of them read the textbook just ahead of time. It, so, it, could, 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 could you well, imagine actually, a university? Could you imagine a university level um, SEO professors? <laughs> the one safe thing we have is there's always a black box with SEO. But uh, but no, I just I find that it's detrimental to the learning process. You might as well just take the course online from a community college then. Well, again, it may well be uh, detrimental to the learning process, but it's also probably indicative of uh, where much of the learning process is going in the future. Um, oh, it's hard, you know, hard to get teachers to do a thankless job these days, eh? Well, professors at Harvard aren't teachers doing a thankless job. They're well-paid people and get a lot of prestige and privilege. So, yeah. So, One would hope, indeed. High school is different, but, you know, public school is different, but $50,000 a year universities aren't, aren't the same. So, but it's just one professor right now. We'll see what happens. Harvard will probably get a lot of blowback, I imagine, from their actual people paying their tuitions. We'll see what happens. Okay. A couple... Well, Couple quick clean, uh, house cleaning things. Um, almost out of time for um, Brighton SEO USA free tickets. If you're interested in them, go to the website, apply now. Don't apply next week. Go now. Because <laughs> um, I, I actually think it closes this week, uh, tomorrow, in fact. Speaking of stuff that closes tomorrow, um, I don't know if you guys have noticed it up, but when you've been logging into uh, Google uh, Universal Analytics, you've been getting this very subtle notice from Google. 
just to update one day 13 hours and what like um 40 some odd minutes from the time of recording um and google or universal analytics as you know it is going to stop recording um google analytics 4 will start recording for some reason, a number of people in the SEO world just noticed this, and I've seen forums, people are in near panic about Arma Aura Analytic Getting Day, which is now. So we brought in Alan Knack, who is, as I said before, um, the search marketing industry's experts expert in analytics. Um, Alan's company, Connectology, works with uh, large and small uh, uh, businesses, and quick disclosure, Alan and I used to have, Alan used to be a partner in Digital Always Media, my business. So, um, Alan, welcome to Webcology. And what's the impact of uh, Universal Analytics 3 shutting down tomorrow? Well, <laughs> Christine and I have been having an interesting conversation the past few days going back and forth. Anyways, so for those who paid attention to all the notices that Google's been sending out for the past about 18 months and really picked up about a year ago. There's no impact because they've been running GA4 in parallel with their universal analytics and have figured out all the changes and how one relates to the other. And we have a nice, you know, metrics that X visitors in your universal analytics is equal to this Y visitors in GA4. The problem happened where everybody kept kicking the can down the road saying, oh, this is BS. Google's not going to turn things off on June 30th, 2023. No, wait, they can do it. This is too many people are using this product, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, oh, six months. No, they're going to postpone it because none of people have migrated over. I was hearing people a month ago, do I really have to do this? I said, you should have done it already. And I've been swamp helping companies, you know, do their migrations over. And now, and I've been posting about it, and people are in disbelief that Google's going through with it. <laughs> so I'm sorry. This would be like uh, we were talking about Microsoft and the operating system. Can you imagine you're still running a Windows 95 machine? <laughs> and you are now upset because no browsers work on it? There are deadlines for software, and sorry, okay. it, that's that's you know the reality is you you've had ample warning, and you so, either upgraded to GA four or you switch products. So why this deadline? Why tomorrow? And why do, why does Google have to make this switch? Well, there's a couple reasons. One of them is a billion dollar fine pending from the EU for privacy breaches of the GDRP law. They, Google came to a compromise with them about how GA uh, Universal Analytics worked, that they had a period of time to stop using it because it was collecting two data that was in breach of the GDRP, and they had till the end of the year to purge all that data. So that is factor one. The, Europe, the EU is not gonna change their you know, pending fine against Google. Number two, and I've had conversations with a lot of people, it's my personal opinion, is all this data that's been stored under universal analytics, because we all put our switch to hold the data indefinitely, 
is costing Google a fortune. And every division within, you know, Google, whatever, the Alphabet group, is now a, essentially a profit center. Analytics, since they don't make money by selling software other than their paid version, and is all that data stored on the Google Cloud, has to pay for that data. So they have to reduce their cost of data storage. It's that plain, that simple. So people, users of, of Universal Analytics, and this is a product that's been in use for a decade and a half, almost two decades now. Um, no, uh, Universal Analytics, I just actually writing an article on that one, came out in 2012. 2012. Okay, so it's been in uh, use for... Well, there was another years. version before that, yeah. Okay, there was right, another Google Which was Analytics. completely, it was night and day. Really? In the current version. So I heard all the same complaints when what was just simply called Google Analytics, which was really yeah. Google Analytics 2, and UA, I heard the complaints. The interface sucks. I can't find anything. Oh, my sessions and my visitor accounts don't match up. Why? This is horrible. You know, I, I, Alan, I got to tell you, I feel kind of foolish. I feel like the Facebook user who gets all freaked out and, 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 and uh, mm -hmm. uh, bent out of shape that the interface has changed only to th three years later to go, what it was, it, it was what? Uh, I, exactly. I don't think that, I don't think that's quite accurate oh, in this. Yeah, again, I, this is a yeah. radical, like Christine's trying to, this is a radical change. It requires uh, you hey, to I, use I, another I program to use it. So I got it upset requires when, another... Yeah, we all got upset Windows users with Windows 11 came out when they moved the little box from the left corner to the center. And but you can't again, find again, the, the turn-off button. Like, come on. This is quite, this is quite different. This, this is, is more than moving the little box. Yeah, this is like renaming entire classes of analytics. And then dropping data and then requiring a third-party tool to actually make any sense of what they've put out there. So so it is a big difference. And I think that yeah. a lot of the people in the industry that are upset about it are very experienced SEOs and SEMs who have been through this before and are not just because they don't like that there's changes, that it just doesn't function for them. I, I've seen this with, uh, hey, I remember some years ago, major changes in the Photoshop user interface where you couldn't find where features were hidden because they got renamed and regrouped. I've worked with so many software in my lifetime that between iterations, not just you know going from version 4 to 4.1, but going from version 4 to version 5, it's completely revamped. Word. If you would go back to Word from 12 years ago, it has no resemblance to the current Word. But, but where... the functions are still there. I can still bold. I can uh, still make margins. No, but there's, still... uh, there's, well, okay, show me reveal codes. Uh, show me other editing functions. The, the piece are, still there. The piece still there. Yeah, but you can't find them. And I'll tell you the same <laughs> thing is with GA4. Stuff is there. They are just not where you expect them. And some things do work differently. Okay, so let's and, go for let's go and look at some of the similarities between um, Universal Analytics three and GA four. Um, I'm really interested in acquisition, um, source and medium, um, and I want to compare um, Google Organic against obviously all the other the organic search engines and you know other forms of traffic too. I'm curious how it's uh, reacting against um, cost per click. Um, am I working with the PPC folks in harmony or is um, uh, is it, you know, uh, is one searching forward over the other? Um, there's a number of analytics I want to get that are, I have to reach for in uh, GA4. Um, are they, 
if I had been somebody who got on it 16 months ago, would it be much easier for me now? Would it be just a matter of, is well, that same data at, there? The, the answer is, it's not exactly the same data because one of the major changes, which you people don't understand, this was one of the big differences between when it became Google Analytics and Universal Analytics, is how Google identifies unique users and how it calculates sessions. There has been a major change in those two key measurement points for the purpose of being far more accurate. And I'll start with bounce rate. I was I wrote an article like five years ago, six years ago, why bounce rate should be removed from analytics. I think Google read my article because it was a meaningless, it was a single page visit. We didn't know how long a person spent on it. Was there any interaction? They're gone. So now Google says, well, we'll report single page visits, but we'll talk about engagement because we are now going to have a timer running that says an engaged session is someone who's been on, on the landing page for at least 10 seconds or has started scrolling or has done another trackable e event, such as click to another page. So now you have an engagement factor far more accurate than unengaged. And so same thing with sessions are we, we all, you know, there's all the fear of cookies for, for far too long. Uh, and everyone complained about Google cookies. Well, now Google has added something called Google signals to help better identify unique users there. And there's all sorts of other factors that they're hiding in the background to be more accurate on your unique user count. So that will affect your traffic from organic search. Also, Google has improved its definition of organic search. It's added more search engines that used to not actually. So some of these small, I've never heard of search engines are now showing up as organic search. So there's an, an enhancement there. So they don't separate we, them out anymore though, right? They lump them all together. No, they're there. You can still see which what the source is. It's, it's there. Yeah, there's you, a drop down you can ask for a source media okay. from. It's not by default anymore though. No, yeah, everything it's is not set part up. of the that's, that's the worst it's part about all that. You just need to know what the as well as if you're a PPC person, Facebook ads used to show up as paid search unless you've created a custom channel. Well, now GA4 has a paid social. So you're if you're running PPC, you're going to see a drop in, in paid search, but you'll have an increase in paid social. Same thing, they better define what organic social traffic is. And they have, I believe it's approximately now 25 channels where before they had about 12. So you're gonna see a lot. So where things were grouped before are gonna be grouped elsewhere. So that is a change. And for attribution management, Google is now giving you two channel acquisition reports. There's user acquisition, what brought the user the first time to your site? What channel? And then there's the session. What brought them for that specific session? So you can see from a PPC ad that I have, that's brought the user to the first time, but then maybe they came direct or maybe they came through uh, organic search and they and converted at a later date. So you now have two sources of traffic to look at. So you're actually getting more information. Yes, it can be confusing, but by having those two sources, you start getting a greater understanding. But this is one of the problems 
And I will acknowledge this, but there's no workaround. This is why I wanted people to get on their GA4 long ago. If I ran an ad campaign last month, but I just turned on GA4 today, and somebody came through that PPC ad and bookmarked it or whatever, and now comes directly to your site because they now decided they're going to make that purchase, everybody's coming in direct. So all your regular users are going to be user acquisition is direct because they know about you because they're not using search. They're not using clicking through a PPC ad. So that is part of why you wanted a nice lead time, which sorry, it's too late now to get that. Um, Google Analytics 4 gives you a lot of um, ability to set metrics, to tell it what you want to know. Um, is there a way to compensate for, I guess, lost time by accuracy of settings? I look at it, one of the rules I've been explaining to my clients is it's that eight, you know, the old adage of 80-20. Google looked at it and said 80% of the users were using 20% of the features. So they got rid of 80% of the features. So now you're getting essentially a bare bones system, but they put in a completely customizable interface. Now, is it going to take some time to learn how to uh, use their library function and create custom reports? to regenerate reports that you liked in universal analytics that Google said almost nobody used? Yes, it's gonna take. Did I like how, you know, Google universal analytics had an area called behavior. Was that really what I like that section of reports to be called? No, but if you like behavior, you can create, you can go rename that section behavior and rearrange all your reports. You can get, if you're not an e-commerce site, why do you care about the monetization reports? Remove them from your, your screen. So with a little bit of either looking at some YouTube videos, reading some articles, uh, taking a course on the upgrade, all of a sudden you can have a customized interface that is shared within your entire group of only reports that have meaning to your organization. Yes, that's going to take time, but just think how much time people spend hunting and pecking through reports and playing with them to get it. I need to add this segment. I need to add the, these uh, drill downs, build the report. It's there and now you have yep. efficiencies in it. You, you, you do know. though, as someone who knows how to do this stuff or the regular person, regular client, they're not gonna be able to do any of that. They're just well, not. And then like, I'm looking, like in setting up, like setting up like demographics were automatic. They're not even automatic anymore. You have to set up your demographics. At the setup uh, here, they actually mm -hmm. weren't automatic even in Universal Analytics. There was a, 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 a something in the setup that you had to turn on. So most people right, but now turned you have it to on. define. You have to define everything. Like that's your audience. No, you just have to enable, give permission to record that because and ensure. And this is the big caveat that most people don't realize: privacy laws worldwide. You have to acknowledge before you turn on what's called Google Signals, where they put in all those demographic information. So that's something you have to enable. It's not, you have to, first of all, tell Google, yes, I've referenced, I have a privacy policy, and my privacy policy acknowledges that we are recording this information for analytics purposes, blah, 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 blah. You, by collect, that was something that Google was in breach of in laws, and not just in the EU, but actually here in Canada. So yes, you have to go through a couple of four clicks to enable it, 
but reviewing your privacy policy on your website is something every organization should do because you, especially in the United States, which is a uh, you know lots of lawsuits, all it would take is for you to identify some users and somebody getting offended by it and launching a lawsuit against you. And if you don't have it in your privacy policy, you lose. So no, that's all very important. No, I'm not. I'm, yeah, that's very important. Right. I just mean that the, there's nothing about G4 that's intuitive or easy for unless you have a data analyst or someone like you who works with it all the time. So uh, it's going to be very difficult for regular people, regular clients, regular customers to use it. If you're not a large company that has people that already know how to do all this, uh, they're just not going to use it. They're going to migrate away. Well, They'll have I'd it turned say, on for ads, but I don't see them using it otherwise. Uh, I, look, I'll agree with you on that one. But I'll tell you, most small businesses never even looked at their analytics reports. That it's oh, just so that's the ones reality. I work with. The ones I work with do. They're what are they looking at? How much traffic I have? What's a looking at data out of context? Looking at meaningless factors? But it was easy to use. Well, those basic da data is there. I click on my report. I get my snapshot, I, my dashboard. Boom. That's I, all I care about is well, traffic up or down yesterday. As someone who designed websites for a living for a while and UI UX, we can agree that it is not a good UI UX, right? No, oh, I'll agree. The UI is atrocious. Yeah. This is yeah. probably the worst software rollout I've seen in over 25 years of being in this industry. That's my point. That's my only point. My <laughs> uh, I am That's not going to point. argue that point. This has been an absolutely <laughs> horrible. Yeah. I, I've yeah. talked to other people who are not analytics people who from everything from web development to SEOs to PPC specialists to server men, they've never seen something so poorly rolled out with explaining why it is being done than this particular rollout. It's, hi, you have to switch. Too bad. But that's not telling me, uh, here are your enhancements. No, if you go and dig enough, or if you're in a what is it, about 24 companies that are senior analytics partners with Google who got invited to special events where all the details were explained and then they were sent out to be uh, advocates for the product. And I'd say 98% of those people said, ha ha, I have inside information. I'm not going to share it. This is good hey, for my business. Google knows to give it to the SEOs because we tell everybody. That's what they messed up. But, but, uh, <laughs> but no, they gave it to their analytics the people who go out and sell Google 360 in mega amounts. Yeah. And, yeah. All right. And it's, and I'm telling, and I'm, I know a few of these people and a few of them I've talked to were at those meetings. They said, I can't believe nobody's sharing this. Like this, oh, are you sharing it? Well, I wrote an article. Oh, I'll, uh, I'm sharing with people I know. You're not being an advocate for a product and go and telling them, helping people because you're being greedy saying, if I know this inside information and how to do X and nobody else does, I have an a market advantage. So part of Google's stupidity was only rolling it out to a select few and giving them the inside knowledge on why these changes were happening and then letting the rumor mill spill out and it or people doing some, you know, research to get more details on, you know, what's the difference between user uh, tracking versus event tracking. Night and day Adobe's been doing event tracking for about 10 years now. So they're going after the Adobe market. It's that simple, but it's, you know. I think one that, of the other mistakes Google made in this rollout was as they were doing their countdown over the last month, there was a, 
blue red bar that appeared across the top of Google of Universal Analytics screens that said in part, if you don't do anything, we'll do it for you. Um, I think a lot of oh, people yeah. are sitting around waiting for Google to do it for them. Right. And, and Google, and Google started rolling that out this, this week. Or was it last week? Uh, even though I had clients we migrated over, Google, one of the other part of the bad rollout, Google kept adding new, I don't want to call them features, but new checkpoints that as a consultant or as a user, you had to go and check that you did this, you did this. But I already had it up and running and everything was working perfectly. I didn't go back and check their migration assistant and you know check every box that they added in six months later. And well, so yeah, you start getting all say, these messages. You had clients a couple of months ago. Um, you signed off on them, moved on to your next client, and Google's added new stuff. For over a year. I've had clients been on it for almost 18 months since uh, March 2022. As the first, well, actually, I even started some before that. Uh, and I'm still working with them. So, but they were getting notifications and emails. And this one client had run five sites and it was on one of them. It took me forever to find which little tick box was not ticked. And Google actually migrated the site for them, even though I told them not to. And I know 100% I had said it because that was an option not to have them do it. So the only positive from my perspective was I got to go delete that account because it had no impact on the actual production one. But I got to go and see what a horrible job Google did in doing so, these automatic setups. Well, okay. so. <laughs> what kind of horrible job has Google done in doing the automatic setups? Well, this part of it is just like using Google Assistant. So right away, they put you into how you do your user identity into their, well, they call their default one, where things like Google Signals aren't turned on and all these other things aren't properly configured. But also under the data stream, there are all sorts of events that you can automatically track. And I'm just, just trying to bring up the names of all of them. Uh, but... So for example, like obviously page views was automatically turned on, but if you want to track, most people have automatically turned on track outbound clicks. That wasn't enabled. They did not have enabled, you know, automatically track embedded YouTube videos. That wasn't enabled. They did not enable track file downloads. So they put on basically track my page views, track my scrolls. And okay, so that was part of it. And then they gave you one of the changes Google made about three months ago, I think it was, that when they asked you, sir, what categorize your business, it decided it would give you a slightly customized interface of which reports you would you would see. Uh, the default one, even though this was an e-commerce site, most of the e-commerce reports were not there. They gave them like the bare bones monetization report, like just the dashboard. It was like atrocious, meaning now I have to go in and add all these other available reports, which are there for you to customize the interface, but why aren't they automatically there? So Google didn't, you know, didn't know anything about the businesses. So they gave them basically the minimum report set. And for most businesses, that's just not good enough. Okay. So now we're here Saturday is GA4. Um, what should, I guess I got a couple questions. Um, if businesses hadn't gone on it, obviously they, they got to get GA4 set up like immediately and do it now. Um, 
But while they're doing setup now, are there other tools, third party tools? I'm thinking things like Looker Studios um, that would that makes dealing with um, the data you get from uh, GA4 easier or um, easier, I guess, to um, structure in a way that's useful to you? Uh, the answer is yes, no. Yeah. As I said, most, most organizations, they need to go into the, the GA4 library of reports, look at the reports. I don't know by default how, how many, you know, probably 50, 60 reports that are available. Say, oh, I like this one. And then add it to your user interface that it's available to you. So for many organizations, just that simple act of reviewing all available reports saying, oh, I really like this report. This will be helpful for me. And then you just say, I want it in this section of my user interface. Done. It's, it's easy. Now, if you're looking for more complex reporting, using something like any uh, data visualization tool. So yes, Looker Studio is free. And we'll put the caveat these days with anything from Google, sort of. It's far easier to use than this new enhanced feature called Explore Reports, which I've used, are extremely powerful and are not for the layperson to go in and do anything with. So with Christine, I will agree that they're a nightmare to work with. <laughs> so going to Looker Studio, but now once again, you now need to know how to use Looker Studio. But with Looker Studio, accessing your Google Analytics data is fairly simple. But Google has now implemented a token system, and they're, they keep changing how many tokens you get. But, at, but every time you connect to your Google Analytics data through Looker Studio requires some tokens. How many? There's no easy way to tell. It's one for the call to Google Analytics. How many dimensions? How many metrics? <laughs> okay. And each one of those uses a different amount of tokens. So I've had for a while, they had such a limited amount, I would be developing a Looker Studio report for someone and I'd hit my 30 minute token limit. I'd have to stop working because I'm testing things and refreshing screens and then come back after 30 minutes and go, okay, I can continue again for another 10, 15 minutes. Okay, I got the report. And then you hit the issue where you have these great Looker Studio reports. And because of the tokens, if it's an organization, let's say there's 10 people looking at that report once an hour, because maybe you're, whatever you're doing, you can hit your limit and somebody else will not be able to get to it. So it's free, sort of. If you're a one person operation or you're a one person manager or something, you should be fine once you create those reports because they just increased the limits. So I'm grateful I haven't hit my, you know, equivalent of a Twitter jail. You're now in a Looker Studio jail for 30 minutes till your, you know, your account's refreshed. So. It's there, and it'll be the same thing with any BI tool. The API now has severe limits put on it by Google. That's all I hear is friction, 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 friction. No, I'm hearing, oh, you want more? <laughs> get credit card, credit card, credit card. Yeah, you can get more. Saying. Just cough up money. Yeah. That's why I said saying, it's though. free, yeah. sort of. You know, go ahead, Jim. Yeah, I'm just saying. One of the They're pushing you. They want everyone to move their data to uh, big, their big query, their big, you know, data warehouse, which used to cost a fortune, and now is free. You still have to, when you create your account, put down your credit card for micro charges if you happen to incur them. 
but the technical methodology to getting this actually set up is huge. So it is far beyond the average business owner. And this is where I agree with Christine. You now all of a sudden need to start bringing in data experts who can write all the SQL code for you on how to process the data that's getting stored. But at a basic level, tying Looker Studio to a big query database and doing fairly standard type of reports isn't such a big deal. You don't have to write these custom codes. Well, something that attracted uh, businesses, like millions of businesses to Google Analytics and Universal Analytics originally was that four letter F word, it was free. And yeah. it was easy to use, fairly intuitive. Um, is there any alternatives to uh, Google Analytics 4 out there that might feel more like a Universal Analytics 3 environment given that I don't think that data is portable. So I don't know if they'll be able to have the, the no, data is definitely not portable. Uh, I looked at a few, there are a few free products. Once again, it's a learning curve. They do not look like universal analytics. They do not look like they don't function like universal analytics. They calculate things differently than universal analytics. I'm not going to recommend one over the other. I've looked at a few. I've had clients tell me I'm switching this one. I say, all right, good luck with it. And they get it up and it's fairly simple. And now I'm getting calls from them saying, I need to do this and this. I said with this product, I said, but it doesn't capture that data. So it's, there is no perfect substitution. And yes, that nasty four letter word of free, and this is the big problem. It wiped out a lot of quality products out of the market that were selling software for $500 for a year's license, $1,000 for a year license. Some cases with like $250 and you installed it on your own, on your own server. Uh, they're gone. There's no competition. You know, a, you, the big competitions, Adobe Analytics. And you better have deep pockets and a huge data team to manage it. So that and, is uh, problem. I you say on the, on the SES side though, I do hear people recommend using Fathom and Pickwick and um, there's a couple others. Uh, Matoma, by the way, Matoma has a funny, funny G4 video if you go to their YouTube site right now All right. All right. <laughs> um, and clicky. So um, do any of those work? Because most of these people aren't doing you know massive data analysis. Right. And, and if, all, if all you care about is tracking traffic from a few different channels and setting up some key conversion points, they're fine. I have clients who are on Shopify and Shopify has its built-in analytics tool and you can see your traffic coming in. You can start, to, but if you're trying to understand how the user navigates through the checkout flow, it's a horrible system. You need to use a advanced analytics product, especially tar that's developed for e-commerce. So it, it, that, you know, there is the current, is GA4 going to be perfect for every business out there? No. Which one's the best one for your business? I'm not going to tell you. You you gave a list of all our good ones, and I've had clients look at them, and most of them said I'll stick with GA4. So it's well. Here's a kind of a a, a reverse look at the same question. Um, some analytic trackers out there, uh, looking. I'm kind of looking at you, Instagram. Um, have um images that that appear in the head section of a website which will break you know possibly break the head and um you know prevent google or other search engines from reading important information 
Um, and this may be putting on the spot on. I don't know if you've, if you've had a chance to analyze every analytics program out there, but are there ones out there that you would warn people against for doing um, things like that? Uh, planting planting little, little uh, pixels that will uh, mess you up in right. other ways? Uh, oh, there's so, um, I won't warn you against any specific ones. I've had a few clients where uh, they have a dealer network and they have analytics across their dealer network, but then each dealer has semi-autonomy and they put their own, drop their own code in, which mm -hmm. breaks the overall analytics because their code usurps it and blocks certain scripts because you might be running uh, through something like Google Tag Manager, a custom JavaScript and it says, oh, we, we block, we're going to block JavaScript because it interferes with our code. <clears throat> so you, the only way is test, test, test. <clears throat> and one of the things though, this is, I'll give you a little bit of the positive with the new uh, Google reporting identity feature of Google Signals. And for, to quick summary, what Google Signals is, anyone who's ever signed up for a Gmail account or has enabled their own personal email domain, like a corporate email, to, to become a Google account is presented with a permission screen to give consent for Google basically to track you based on this, you know, Google account. You can opt out of it and still get your Google account, but, you know, I think the numbers are like less than, you know, 5% opted out. That's where you can, by the way, get all your demographic data out of that Google Signals. If you have Google Signals running and Google Analytics 4 implemented and they put somebody puts a script on that blocks the tracking of cookies, Google will revert and track the user and their behavior through your site through Google signals. So right away, that I'm not going to say that's a good thing, but it is one of the features of it. <clears throat> and, allows, yes. and it also allows Google now to track you across devices because, you know, most people don't log out of their Google accounts. Okay, now, when you say track you, um, do you mean... Uh track me as Jim Hedger, because I don't think Google is tracking me as an individual, um, but it's tracking me as user X who does all those things, who's interested in all those things. Is, would that so, be more accurate? No. Oh, Google, okay. Google has a user ID for Jim Hedger. It has How, a way of looking up that user ID and knowing that it is Jim Hedger. Does any of that a, bleed over into uh, GA4 uh, stats or analytics? Not, well, that's one of the things Google is now hiding their, that ID. So even if I were to set a record user ID, Google does not make it available as a reportable dimension. But that's one of the things now with their privacy is if I start drilling down and assumes if I'm using one of their more advanced reporting identity features, and I say, only show me uh, in my reports people from Ontario, Canada, and I do not have enough users. Oh, and better yet, somebody who's clicked through a PPC ad, all of a sudden my data gets throttled and I get crap data on screen because Google's saying, Ooh, you might be able to figure out that that was Jim Hedger who came to your site. So that's one of the touchy areas is when we start, but if that, but that's where if you go and use Looker Studio or you do your queries from something in BigQuery, 
you can do those drill downs and get your full data. So that's part of where Google's trying to hide that I could isolate it down to Jim Hedger. So if I went you know, really down by IP address, I, you know, that was part of it. The old uh, Universal Analytics actually had recorded your IP address, even though we were had an option for the last five years to not, most sites didn't turn on that feature. So we're we're all getting close to um to end of show. So I'm gonna start start shooting some rapid fire questions at you. Um, sure. Earlier, you mentioned that that Google had taken away um, some some features or some uh, reporting metrics that that uh, would be found in Universal Analytics. Has Google added stuff that would be of use to people that 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 they should be aware of? My favorite that they added in, and this is what I mentioned before, where they got rid of bounce rate and they actually hit it. That if you want it now, they brought it back because people complain is engagement rate. It's a more meaningful especially for SEOs, especially for PPCs, the engagement rate is probably the most powerful thing they brought in. Once again, I said, as I mentioned before, that someone who can't landed on a page, spent a minimum of 10 seconds or started scrolling or did some trackable event, click, you know, click play video, whatever it is, down, click download file is an engage. So now not only do we know from PPC how many people click through an ad, but if it was, we used to just get a bounce rate. We don't know what they did. We can, unless you actually set up advanced coding, we can now have an engagement factor, even if I didn't set track that they clicked the download button, or we know that they were engaged. So that is probably the most powerful piece they've added in. Uh, I would say from that point, and then the new ability to actually completely customize the user interface is a, I'm loving it and I'm setting that for clients. I warn them though, when you get a new employee who's going to be used to out of the can GA4 user interface, they're going to go, this, this is weird. It's different. Well, sometimes different is good. So those are probably the two most powerful things that they've changed in, in the reporting system. This morning, I was looking at a GA4 graph of uh, user engagement by page and you know, Google's top 10 uh, fetish. So it had 10, 10 different... Uh, colored colored lines on the page but it was really cool um, i could see which of these uh the top 10 pages in the last 28 days was really getting um um well, user engagement um it's kind of sobering when you find out that it's only a couple pages out of uh out of all the ones that you thought were scoring traffic well i'm just going to summarize this this has gone back now but three years ago with a client who is a, essentially a blog site even though they would call themselves blog site they write articles um, for the pharmaceutical industry on various ailments. And they're sponsored by the pharmaceutical industry. And of course, you know, have a very lengthy article and somewhere in there, there'd be a link say, for treatment, drugs like X. And they'd have a link off to obviously a pharmaceutical site. And we worked with them on SEO. We were getting them high ranking, high click-through rates, but their bounce rate was like over 90%. Reason, these pages were all over a thousand word article, you know, posts. Some of them were over 2000 words. People would read them. They got their answer and leave. So of course they had a bounce rate. Back then we actually put a timer on it, man, manually added a scroll tracking and their bounce rate dropped down in some cases to single digits or, you know, at least low teens. And they were thrilled. Now that comes out of the can with GA4. The ability to, to, to make settings. Right. You're not necessarily going to get a report of how far someone scrolled, but you know that they started scrolling. 
you know that they actually spent more than 10 seconds on the site. If you want more accurate, you can now through things like Tag Manager, go back and add those same timers and turn off the default ones that GA comes with, but at least now you're getting an engagement factor. So I find that much more powerful than not knowing what a bounce rate is. It's, it's good that you mentioned Tag Manager. Um, UA3 was not 100% dependent on Tag Manager, just highly recommended that you install through Tag Manager. Um, is GA4 100% dependent on Tag Manager? No, in fact, you can actually do a lot of advanced features without Tag Manager just through the GA4 admin interface. So you can start tracking custom events. Now, once again, most lay people have no idea what a custom event is, <laughs> but I can, you know, what, what's showing up in the data layer, all these, you know, techie stuff, but you don't have to have Tag Manager. I still prefer Tag Manager because it gives you much more granular control over what's being collected and being reported. But for the mid-sized company who has a reasonably technical person on board, they don't have to go learn Tag Manager. They can do it all through the GA interface now. They can set up their custom dimensions and then it's custom events based on those. Okay. Um, people should have gotten on this 18 months ago. And if they didn't get it on it 18 months ago, they should have got on it 12 months ago. And if they didn't do it then, they should have got on it six months ago. And a lot of people didn't do it then either. So now we're here. And people are um, worried that come, I guess, Wednesday, when people actually go back to work, they're going to be, you know, sort of floating in a sea of no data. Um, Alan, you're an expert in, in doing, um, I, I'm not going to say rapid conversions. <laughs> I don't know if you can do a rapid migration into, into GA4, but how many guys like you are out there and are you taking emergency cases? Uh, I've been taking emergency cases, I hate to say that, <laughs> for the past few months. I had someone who actually had a conversion done for them over a year ago, ran it in parallel with the Universal Analytics, just like someone would have recommended them, but the company they hired didn't do things right. And they finally last week started looking at it. So now they're in a panic. So you know, make sure you're date, you know. Uh, so yes, there are a couple people out there who are doing emergency conversions, very basic stuff. Uh, if it's more advanced, get in line. I'm expecting my phone to go or my email to go crazy on Wednesday, Thursday next week. Well, I, I'd imagine it's kind of going crazy already. You expect yeah. it to go crazier? Uh, it, you'd be surprised. It's I, For my client base and people I sent warnings and from industries passing my name around, I've been busy. It's when people will log on who ignored all the you know the spam attacks from google about changing over who oh it'll just do it for me ah, and they're gonna log on and go what's this i don't have data i don't know how to use this new one i expect a real a lot of them be calling up and it'll be like yes i can go through google tag assistant and get somebody convert well google will have done it as long as they didn't turn off that feature but is it right for their business that there isn't a quick fix. That is actually seeing down with them, talking about what their key measurement points are. Are those the real ones that they need? Are those valuable? And then setting it up to actually track what matters to them, not what matters to, you know, 90% of the population on the high level, because that other 10% of factors are unique to your business and let's get those tracking. 
I and by the way, make sure to check your Google Analytics at a client who thought he set up in this week, a message showed up at the top that said they were not completely set up. Oh, so, I've had yeah. a number of them and I've gone through and in some cases, I validated that every tick box has been checked, that it's been completed and it's still, the message was still up on there. So well, here's as I say, something. worst rollout of software ever. If somebody, if somebody <laughs> wants to verify it's set up, wouldn't the um, basic analytic numbers uh, be fairly similar? They should be tracking the number of- uh, Plus or minus 10%. Okay, so that's if, if 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 you look and your UA three and GA four are similar enough within ten percent, it's probably tracking basic data properly. Correct. It's not. It's anything beyond the basic. So Wednesday morning, people wake up, um, and as we know, probably a high percentage of people haven't gotten on this like they should have. Wednesday morning, they wake up and they're worried. What's the process going to be like? Will they be able to get their thing fixed? Um, or should they expect a couple of days wait, a couple of weeks wait? I, it depends. There are people out there I know, uh, I hate to say it, the kids who work in their, you know, out of their parents' basement who are doing it dirt cheap, right? And, but they're going to give you dirt cheap work. Uh, you know, we'll get your basics up there. I would say it's probably going to take you a couple of weeks to get it up and running. If you want to do it properly and start with the full, let's do a proper measurement plan as a business. What are your criticals? What, what are your marketing efforts? How do we want to report on those marketing efforts? What would be a success matrix for that marketing effort? That takes time and planning, which most organizations didn't do under universal analytics, because frankly, you couldn't add those custom metrics in easily. Now you can. So there's a lot of opportunity here. Getting the basics up, yeah, that could be done in an hour. Getting it working optimally for you can take, you know, days of work. Okay. So um, Alan at uh, at connectology.com. Correct. Okay. Um, if if uh, folks, if you're in a, in a bit of a panic, uh, contact Alan. We have gone around full clock. Oh, it's, wait. Uh, it's top before of the... end, before end, we got to mention one thing, and then we'll talk about it next week. What's that? As What's of, up? As of today, Google has announced that once you're, I forget the number of the bill in Canada, goes through the C18, there will oh, no yeah. longer be giving any links from search news or discover products uh, to operate um, to Canadian uh, news sites. We're going to be talking and, about And Facebook as well as planning on the same thing. Facebook, yeah, 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 Meta through Facebook and Meta Instagram yes, yeah. announced that today as well. Uh, so yeah, we're yeah. gonna be we're gonna be talking about this next week. Um, sometime in the autumn, Canada, you're gonna get cut off from uh, from the big houses, but um, we'll see how that works out. This 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 it's a threat that is uh, that is not necessarily set in stone. It's more like written in soap. Um, anyway, Alan, thank you so much for spending time on the show with us. Um, My pleasure. I hope that. Analytic Geddon is very good to you. <laughs> it's been good. <laughs> I hope it continues. <laughs> and I hope it's not too hard on the listeners out there. Um, again, if you've been listening to Webcology, you've been warned for about 18 months now that this is coming. So, <laughs> and every um, week for the last two. <laughs> and every, oh, every week for the last two. We, we've been making, we've and been if making you have Universal Analytics, you've probably been getting an email every day from Google. 
Indeed. So. <laughs> We've been making fun of this for months, heck. But now it's real. I mean, like, you got, you got to do the switch. You got to get into it. And you got to learn the whole new way of relating to this traffic. So it's an adventure. It's kind of neat. Um, and again, we've gone full circle. We got to get it. We're, we're, we're blocking another show from doing its recording. So on behalf of uh, Alan Connect from Connectology and Christian Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on WMR recorded live to podcast on the 29th of June, 2023. Be well, be kind to each other, rank well, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.